0: What's up? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter seven, verse 28, Daniel writes, hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not gonna keep the matter in our heart. We're gonna talk about it. Today we're going to talk about forgiveness. The question well the question has been asked many times, but the request for this topic was made because there is a misconception about our obligation to forgive someone who has sinned against us. And so we're going to we're going to talk about that tonight. And from the show this morning the Christianity Now podcast Aaron and I looked at three videos from TikTok, and all of them were bound by the same golden thread. Studying the Bible erases all confusion and makes clear the paths down which we need to walk. We have to study our Bible. We have to empty ourselves, and we have to go to the Bible to see what God says. So anyway, that's, that's, that's what we're going to focus on tonight. We're going to try to get away from all of our presuppositions. We're going to try to throw away all these platitudes and all these um, all these preconceived notions and, and just go with what does the Bible say. And regardless of what I feel or think prior to what I learn when I come to the scriptures, we're going to go on the pure, plain, and simple instructions of Jesus. And we not might not even be here to the end of the hour, because quite frankly, this is—I don't see where people have a problem with this topic. Um, I, I just don't, and maybe that maybe that's short sighted on my part. Maybe I'm not as loving and empathetic as I should be, and I'm not saying that sarcastically. I'm I'm kind of being vulnerable and open with you here. May, maybe I have a blind spot in here, and I'm like. Good grief, man! If it's that simple, if the words of of Jesus are so explicit and explicitly simple and simply and implicitly uh, simple and explicit, how do we miss it? And so sometimes I don't. I, I, although I'm very very patient and long suffering in, in other areas, with this particular topic, I don't have a lot of patience and long suffering because it, it's it's a, it's a topic that is as simple as. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. In order to get something other than baptism facilitates salvation, or is at least at the very least, I know I graduated from the redundant school of redundancy twice, at least it's necessary for salvation. In other words, you cannot be saved without it. In order to come up with anything other than belief and baptism results in salvation, therefore if you remove one of those, you don't have salvation, in order to get anything other than that, you have to change the definition of words. You have to say, "Well, I know what, I know. I know what Jesus said, but that's not what he meant." You have to go there. You have to do that with baptism, you have to do that with forgiveness. Salvation is formulaic. Forgiveness of someone who sins against us is just as formulaic. And we better be careful. We better not be deceived because God will not be mocked. Whatsoever we sow, sow that will we also reap. If we sow into the flesh, our flesh, we of the flesh are going to reap corruption. If we sow into the spirit, of the spirit shall we reap life everlasting. We don't need to set ourselves up in the throne of God and rule in this area. We need to do what God says, how God says to do it. So if we offer forgiveness where God has not instructed us to offer forgiveness, it's not going to go well for us on the day of judgment. So this is a big issue. Make no mistake about it. Now. Let's go to Luke chapter 17. I'm going to just I'm going to, I'm going to start with the with the hammer first. And usually you don't start with your biggest argument first, but we're going to start with our biggest argument first. Ayokunle, good to see you. Jonathan Exum, yeah, Matthew 18:15 through 20 is very clear. But you know what, Jonathan? We don't have to go to Matthew chapter 18:15 through 20 here. I mean, it's it's good that we that we that we that we do. But if you'll notice, Matthew 18 precedes Matthew 17. And the principle, the instruction that Jesus gives in Matthew 17, it's almost as if the culmination of that is Matthew chapter 18, 15 through 20. Check this out Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 3. Take heed unto yourselves if your brother sins against you rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. That is, again, take heed unto yourselves is is a command. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. That's an if-then statement. If, so don't rebuke him unless he trespasses against you, unless he sins against you. Also, if he repents, Forgive him. That's another if then proposition. If he repents, then forgive him. But you do not forgive him unless he repents. End of podcast. Like seriously, that's you're done. There's no more instruction needed. And Jonathan, you're absolutely correct. I'm not saying that that we need to throw away Matthew 18. I appreciate your input there. I know that the strain in my voice and the and the intensity with which I'm speaking might have caused me to come across a little bit more adversarial than I intended, but but that, that that's the point I'm making. You know, you, immediately when we talk about interpersonal relationships and forgiving somebody that trespasses against us uh, and how to deal with a brother who trespasses against us, we go to Matthew chapter 18. Well, implicit in those instructions is what Jesus says right here. If he sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Now, that's that's an overview. Let's talk about how that looks in, in real life and practice. All right, your brother trespasses against you. You go to him and him alone. You rebuke him. If he, for, if he repents, you forgive him and you've gained a brother. If he won't listen to you, you take a witness. And if he repents, you've gained a brother. If he won't listen to you and the witness, take two or three witnesses. If he repents, forgive him, you've gained a brother. If he doesn't uh, repent before two or three witnesses, or if he repents, if he doesn't repent before two or three witnesses, he don't hear you before two or three witnesses, then you take it before the church and you treat him as a heathen. You do not forgive unless he repents. How hard is that for us? Like I said, that is at least as, as explicit and simple as he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And I know why people have a problem with it. It's because we have a good understanding of equity and fairness, and we want to be treated in the best possible way possible, in the best possible way. And I think we want to do justice we want to love mercy, and we want to walk humbly with our God. He hath told thee, O man, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Here's the thing. Incidentally, that's that's Micah. Uh, I think it's 6, 8, thereabouts. Go read Micah chapter 6. You'll find it. Matthew chapter 23, I think starting in verse 23, Jesus says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. These are little garden herbs that would be in a planter box that would sit in a windowsill. You pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and you leave undone the weightier matters of the law. What are the weightier matters of the law? Justice, mercy, faith. These ought you to have done and not to have left the others undone. So we need to pay the tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. We need to we need to focus on the small things. Absolutely, we don't need to leave those undone. But we also don't need to focus so much on the small things that we forget the big things: justice, mercy, faith. I put forth to you that justice, mercy, faith is exactly exactly the same as what the prophet said, or what God said through the prophet. He hath told the old man. What is it that the Lord require of thee? Or what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Walking humbly with your God is faith. It's taking action based on what you believe. Do you believe that God is the God of heaven and earth and he's in charge and you got to do his will? Without faith, it's impossible to please him because you have to believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So we have to diligently seek God. How do we diligently seek God? We study to show ourselves approved unto God. Workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Handling aright the word of truth. So if we try to usurp God's authority and forgive when someone hasn't repented, we, we're, not, we're not acting justly because that is not just. We're showing mercy when it's not justified to show mercy, and we're not walking humbly with our God because we have forgotten our place. We have stepped outside of the faith because we're not doing what God would have us to do. Connie says, "I believe you had the same teaching in a podcast while still at bay about forgiving only if that repent or if they if they repent." I brought that up in a Bible class and I was told I was wrong because Christ said, if you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. I was shut down, (laughs) yeah. Elaine McClung, that's a good question. We're gonna talk about that. But, okay, so let me, let me this, let me this. Where'd that come from? Let me do this. I wanna put this comment, if we don't forgive them, if we don't forgive them if they don't repent, how do we keep ourselves from becoming bitter? I want to answer this, but I only want to answer it if we if we all can agree that the instruction is a simple if then scenario. If he repents, forgive him. And the implication there is if he doesn't repent, don't forgive him. We cannot offer to them what God would withhold. We cannot do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God while offering forgiveness to people who have not repented. Now let me look at these comments here, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question, McLean. Or we I don't know if I want to answer it. We're gonna talk about it at least. Because I don't know that there's a real good answer, this like a formulaic answer. This this is in the realm of metaphysics. This this is in fact, this would be in the realm of therapy, of of counseling, of psychology. You know, because not everybody would have the problem. Like I, I don't get bitter whenever somebody does me wrong and they won't repent. I let it go. I I do <laughs> you remember that stupid Disney movie, uh Frozen? I, I I say this with my tongue in my cheek. I said you know, sometimes you just we, a bunch of us just need to build snowmen and let it go. The that's what we need to do with with we just we just need to give it to God. Now that's really easily said, very hard to do. Easily said, very hard to do. All right, um. Yeah, Douglas, I love you, brother, but. If he doesn't repent, I'll forgive him in my heart. You cannot forgive him in your heart. You cannot offer what God does not allow. You would actually be transgressing the plain and simple teachings of Jesus if you forgive someone who does not repent. That's it. We don't have authority to forgive if it's not requested, if it's not wanted. All right. Now, let me, folks usually quote, Father, forgive us as we forgive others to use that as a basis for forgiving others if they don't repent. However, both the first and the second law of pardon requires repentance. That's exactly it, Kunle. And, and the thing about it is, every time the Bible talks about, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna be forgiven as you forgive others, it's still under the stipulation of repentance. Because you're going to be forgiven. How? As you forgive others. Well, what is the instruction about forgiving others? If they repent, forgive them. That means you, if you sin against God, you're going to be rebuked by the scripture. So God is going to rebuke you. And if you repent, he will forgive you. If he does not, if 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 you do not repent, he will not forgive you. Now, how 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 do we forgive others if they repent? You see where I'm going with this. Incidentally, we're going to go look at a passage or, or at a verse in Colossians and a verse in Ephesians that, that, that fleshes this out some. Um, Jonathan Exum says, how do you deal with a brother who teaches false doctrine? I've heard people try to use Matthew 18, 15 to say that we should go to them every time. I've studied this passage, and I don't think it. uh, No, a a person who publicly teaches false doctrine, um, you probably, if you want to love that brother the way Christ loved you, before you go tearing him down in public, you need to go to him and make sure you have the, in other words, there needs to be a face-to-face confrontation first. All right? Now, does that mean you have to go to him and him alone? No, I I think that you can probably take a couple people with you because he's already brought it before the church in a a matter of speaking. But yeah, false teachers are a little bit different. And 1 John 1, 8 through 10 is clear. Forgiveness of our sins hinges on confession of them, which is a follow-up from repentance, like Peter admonished Simon the sorcerer. Absolutely. And uh, what do you do with Matthew six fifteen? Let's go look at it. I'm I'm about ninety percent sure of what that is. Yeah, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. Okay, the what I do with Matthew six fifteen is I have to apply the forgiveness formula to this, and this is actually what I was talking about when I was saying that. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father, neither will your Father forgive you uh, your trespasses. Okay, so I ask the question: Under what circumstances are we to forgive? Then, if your brother trespasses against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. What are the stipulations of your forgiveness? If you sin against God, you have to repent, and your heavenly Father will forgive you. Now, if you withhold forgiveness from someone who has repented, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. You cannot look at Matthew six fourteen and 15 and ignore Matthew 17, 3, and 4. Matthew 17, 3, and 4 sheds light on Matthew 6, 15, and 16. Now, let's get over to Ephesians, and let's look at this verse here. Um, Ephesians chapter, I think it's chapter 4. Oh, that's Philippians. No wonder it looked funny. Oops. I messed up my camera here. All right, bear with me. All right, now listen to this. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering. Bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now we're going to go on down. I think it's the last verse. And be this is verse 32. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. How? How are we to forgive one another? Go back to 17:3. If your brother Luke 17:3. If your brother trespasses against you, rebuke him, and then if he repents, forgive him. Now, the verse doesn't say that, but it says forgiving one another. How? Even as God in Christ forgave you. The word as is there. That makes this a simile. That's a comparison using like or as. How did Christ forgive you? You were rebuked through the word. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Doctrine. Doctrine, you were in sin and you were rebuked. You have repented and now God has forgiven you. As God forgives you, you forgive others who sin against you. So now they sin against you, you rebuke them, they repent, you forgive them. If you do not do that, you will burn for eternity in hell, according to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, 15 and 16, or 14 and 15, whatever it is. Never ever does the Bible teach that you offer forgiveness without repentance. Now, why did I read the verse in the beginning with lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering bearing one another in love? If a brother trespasses against you and it's not worthy in your eyes to have a confrontation, then you have to bear with them. You have to be long-suffering. You don't have to forgive them because they have not violated a boundary. You have the power to say, I'm just going to bear with them. I'm not going to make an issue out of it. That's bearing with someone. That's long-suffering. Maybe you found out that in a moment of weakness, a brother gossiped about you behind your back. Well, okay, so what? If it's harming you, you've got to deal with it. If it's not harming you, you can just assume the best and that brother's made it right with God and you can let him off the hook. He don't have to make it right with you. That's not forgiveness. That's long-suffering. But you cannot say, I forgive you of the gossip that you've done to me because he hasn't repented of it. You have to rebuke him for the gossip. And then he has to be brought to a place of godly sorrow, which leads to repentance not to be repented of. Matthew chapter 18, if your brother trespasses against you, go to him and him alone. That, that's 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 prescriptive. That that's this is a prescription for how to handle a conflict in an interpersonal relationship. That's not a command to tell you what you must do in every case. If my brother trespasses against me, I can just keep my mouth shut and and forbear. I don't. I can be long suffering with him. There's a difference between forbearing it forbearing and forgiving. We need to learn, this is part about doing Bible things in Bible ways and calling Bible things by Bible names. You cannot forgive unless somebody repents. You can, however, forbear regardless of the state of being of their conscience and soul. That that, that is up to your discretion. Um, Elaine McClung asked, if we don't forgive them if they don't repent, How do we keep ourselves from being bitter? You forbear. You give them a pass. You just say, eh, we're all human. Welcome to the human condition. And you don't hold it against them. You know, you can read 2 Corinthians, and Paul talks about how God was in Christ in the world, not imputing their sins unto them. It's this gospel of reconciliation. We don't have to impute sin to every infraction against us. In other words, every interaction that we don't like, we don't have to make a big deal about it. And in fact, if you're ever around somebody that does make a big deal about it, about every little thing, then that person doesn't have a friend group to be around for very long, do they? But that's how you keep from being bitter. Think about the father and the prodigal son. In the in the parable of the prodigal son the prodigal son went and wasted his inheritance with riotous living when he came back he came back and said he repented he, he he said my the servants in my father's house I should say it like the Bible said it the slaves in my father's house they at least have food room and board they're living a better life than this I'm going to go back not as a son I'm going to go back as a slave and his father, Saw him afar off, fell upon his neck and kissed him, and took him back. Question: Do you think the son had to beg the father to be taken back? The father was ready to come back, so we can forbear. In other words, we don't have to. We don't have to. We can keep our mouth shut, not say anything, and not hold it against our brother, or sister, as the case may be, or if it is a big issue we can be, and and we do rebuke them. If they sin against us, we go and rebuke them. If they don't repent, we don't forgive them. But then we assume the position of the father in the prodigal son, eagerly waiting upon their return. And when they return, we fall upon their neck and kiss them, and we welcome them back with open arms. Now, that's hard to do. This ain't easy. Good evening. I got a lot of comments. Good deal. Uh, Johnny Bonaparte said we should not be bitter because we're waiting on them. That's it. That's it. And uh, yeah, Jonathan Exum, Uh Yeah, I, that's how to deal with false teachers is probably a topic for another for another time. It's 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 kind of an adjacent topic, but it's it's not exactly. Um, I don't know how to. It's not exactly on topic, but, but yeah, how to deal with a false teacher. You just deal, deal with him much the way you would a brother. Don't, don't treat him as an enemy. All right. Deborah O'Neill says, I don't tend to dwell on it. It's not my problem, but it does, does sometimes bother me. I don't let it stay with me though. Yeah. All right. How do I, yeah. Hide current comment. There we go. But good, good question, Elaine McClung, and I hope I've given you some kind of resolution on that. And Johnny Bonaparte said, "It is the duty of the guilty party to request forgiveness for their fault from the innocent." Yes, the same. It, it, that 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 means us to God, and people who sin against us, to us. Now, here's the thing: the difference between us and God, is um. Our completed word and revealed will is not out there in the world. They don't have a responsibility to figure out what makes us tick. You know, I, I'm a strange and weird fella. I might have some weird hangups. In other words, you may come over my house and you may you may take off your shoes, but if you take your left one off and then your right one, I get all mad. I think you need to take your right shoe off, then your left. Well, it's not your responsibility to know that in advance. So therefore, if I feel like that's a trespass against me, and I understand how silly this is, it's silly on purpose to prove a point, to illustrate a point. So I I would tell you, hey, you know, brother, when you come to my house, please honor the rules of my house. Remove your shoes at the door, but remove your right shoe first, then your left. It's your responsibility as a Christian to say, oh, well, man, I'm sorry about that. That's literally what this looks like. So now I forgive you. But if I hold a grudge, then guess what? I'm in violation of Matthew chapter 6, 14, 15, and 16, 15 and 16, whatever that is. I'm also in violation of of Luke 17, 3 and 4. I'm also in violation of Ephesians 4, 32. Yeah, Ephesians 4, 32 be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you Oh, it's kind of sad, Connie. Yeah, that is the verse I was given when I said they must ask for forgiveness. There's nothing in that passage of scripture that talks about it just says you're to forgive. That's right, you are. And if you and if you don't, you're going to go to hell. And then Matthew chapter 17 verse 3 gives you the stipulations of forgiveness. If your brother trespasses against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Anything else, anything else is a violation of God's law. That's how serious this is. Um. Yeah, is it safe to say that we must be willing to forgive, but only to forgive when they repent? I believe that is absolutely the case. Stephen and Christ prayed for forgiveness for they know not what they have done. Hey, Lewis, let me put this up there. That is absolutely correct. But, and, and I'm, I know I'm speaking rather harshly for the lack of a better term. I'm, I'm kind of intense right here. I'm, that's not against you. That's just this topic kind of gins me up. And I've heard this. Well, Stephen and, and Jesus prayed for forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. well, that doesn't mean that we are to forgive if someone doesn't repent. Nothing in those two verses, those two accounts of action are from are authoritative to the doctrine of forgiveness. Luke 17, three and four, still in the Bible. If your brother trespasses against you, for, uh, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Everything that we read about forgiveness should be read through that light. Forgiveness takes repentance. It is hard to get this idea of forgiveness over to some who think because they preach, they know more than you. Ain't that the truth? Wayne Vaughn, forgive them seven times 70. Yeah, and again, but only forgive them if they repent. That That's the thing. Would you say forgiving someone who doesn't ask is not the same as holding a grudge against someone? Connie, let me put that up there. This this is where a lot of people go off the rails on this and have a problem with it. They make a false dichotomy, a false binary. Not forgiving someone, or excuse me, excuse me, uh, the opposite of forgiving someone is not holding a grudge or hating someone. That, that's, a, that's a false binary. There are people in my life who have sinned against me very egregiously, who will never repent. I do not hold a grudge against them. I give them very little thought. I've given it over to God. They're going to do what they're going to do, and they're going to stand or fall on the day of judgment because of it. I bear no ill will towards them. I don't perseverate. I don't, I don't bear any resentment. Now, if I allow myself to think on it too much, those, those, those bad feelings arise. So what do I do? Well, I keep under myself, lest that I at any time myself become a castaway. I'm disciplined, and I concentrate on other things whenever those thoughts arise. If they were to come to me and ask for my forgiveness, I would freely give it. I don't hold a grudge. So holding a grudge and being hateful and filled with hate is not the opposite of being forgiving. And I, I don't know how to say that anymore, any, any differently, because what I've just said is the plain and simple truth. So I think a lot of people have trouble when they hear you are not you are not to forgive somebody unless they repent. I think what they hear is it's okay to hold a grudge and hate people that sin against you. And that's just the human nature. Those out of the church always want to forgive a guilty party even when they don't request it. That's it. So I need to love them and let it go if I have done everything I can, right? Absolutely. Yes. That's exactly that's exactly it. You have no control over any other human being in this world other than yourself. They can't get forgiveness from God or you unless they repent. If they don't repent, that has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. It may be that you need a good friend to talk to, and I'm not talking about talking about these people. I'm talking about talking through your feelings and be careful because you can, you can, you can go off into the realm of being a busybody if you're not, if you don't watch it. So, uh, so anyway, um, I'm thinking, um, yeah, we' we're, we're talking about letting it go and not being bitter. You don't have any control over what other people do. And as soon as we can get to a head state where we understand that, evangelism goes better for us. We don't feel so bad when people reject the gospel of Christ. We don't get so bad, we don't feel so bad whenever uh, people violate our very healthy boundaries and choose to not be our close friends anymore because we just know people are going to be people and the only constant in our life is God Almighty. Hey, Lewis says, Hey, Lewis says, David said after everything that he did to Uriah that he only sinned against God. Hey, I would have to see that in writing. Because David absolutely sinned against Uriah the Hittite, he sinned against Bathsheba, and he sinned against God. Um, I, I don't believe the Bible teaches that, sister. And the term brother suggests that this is referring to a person in the church. It, yes. No, actually if your brother trespassed against you. Now, it is talking about in covenant relationships. But if you only apply forgiveness, the rules of forgiveness applies to everybody. If not, God's a respecter of persons. Are you telling me that I am to forgive people in the world without them repenting. And I and I must require people in the church to repent before I forgive them. Because if we're saying that if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If that only applies to members of the church, then I'm supposed to be less forgiving to my brothers and sisters in Christ than I am to people who are antagonistic to God and the cause of Christ that are in the world. That doesn't track. That doesn't track at all. Terry Ann Crook says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. God never says forgive them if they never forgive. I would say if they never repent. That's exactly right. Yeah, we're not, we're not required to forgive our enemies. We're required to love them. Incidentally, God, while we were yet sinners, commended his love towards us by sending his son. He only forgave us when we repented of our sin and obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, you got it right there. Yeah, sinning is against God. Um. No, sinning, sinning. I I appreciate this, a but sinning. I mean that sinning can be sinning is a violation of a law, and you can obviously sin against your fellow man. If I murder somebody, I have sinned against God, and I have sinned against that person that, that I murdered. I've also sinned against his family because I took away their their father if I sinned if I sin if I killed a man who's married with a wife that's it we imitate our lord's suffering with gentleness and love and will god forgive a person who will not repent if God won't then why should we be expected to exactly so would you say that the unrighteous know any better or not if they know about forgiveness douglas I would say it doesn't matter what the unrighteous know or don't know. The Bible says repentance is a condition for forgiveness. That's it. How did Christ forgive you your sin? Or how did God, for Christ's sake, forgive you your sins while you were a sinner? You had to repent. Luke chapter, then that's that's Ephesians 4, 30, 4, 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. God in Christ only forgave you when you repented. Well, it's Acts 26. No, 28, 20, 26, 20. No, it's 2620. Let's start verse 19. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to them in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God and do works befitting repentance. If we forgive others, if we forgive others as Christ himself, or excuse me, um as God in Christ forgave us, then we will not forgive anyone unless they repent. And this is so hard. Like even like we're 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 getting these questions because like it's almost like we're saying, Tony, it can't be that simple. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but I just feel, don't care what you feel, neither does God. Yeah, but aren't we, no, nope. repentance. Without repentance, there's no forgiveness. None. Zippo. I mean, it's hard. It, it's, it's hard to, to, to throw away our presuppositions about this. Good deal, Connie. Yeah, you answered my question on not holding a grudge. Absolutely, good deal. And Terry Ann Crook says, you sin against God when you disobey God and you sin against mankind. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the thing. It's I would say there are very few sins that are only a sin against God. You know, lying is a sin against God and a sin against to whomever you lied. He told the woman caught in adultery, if no one condemn you, neither do I. Yeah, again, hey, I don't know what you're getting at with that. He plainly said, if you repent, or if he, if he repent, forgive him. Meaning if he doesn't repent, don't forgive him. The woman caught in adultery, that was an, that was an earthly court. Trust me. She was penitent. But the point was not forgiving her for her sin. In in the in the in in the afterlife. It was to keep her from being stoned to death, and he said, "You who are without sin, cast the first stone." And the crowd melted away. And he said, "Woman, where are thine accusers?" Jesus could not accuse her of adultery because no one was standing there testifying that she had committed adultery because the witnesses were gone he had no grounds upon which to hold her so she needed at that time no earthly forgiveness now as a practitioner of the law of moses if she had actually committed adultery which they said she was caught in the very act then there was ways to repent of that and to offer a sacrifice and stuff like that but there would be no forgiveness for that sin in eternity. But when it came to the moment where she was going to be stoned to death, there were no, there were no, there were no accusers. The, the witnesses were gone. Jesus didn't witness it. Under the law, he could not condemn her because he was not a witness. Maybe we need to define what the word if is. Maybe so, Jonathan. If is conditional. It's if then. They prayed the Father forgive them, and he did when they repented. Actually, that's, yes, they did. Good good deal, Deborah. Got it. I guess I was thinking of forgiving in place of loving and being long-suffering. Elaine, that right there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this up. Elaine McClung says, I've got it. I guess I was thinking of forgiving in place of loving and being long-suffering. Absolutely. And I will tell you this. It is easier to love someone whom you forgave than it is to love someone and be long-suffering with them whom you do not forgive. So there's a payoff to this. Oh, we're just gonna forgive everybody, regardless of whether or not they repent. Yeah, that that means you don't have to be very loving and long suffering. Being loving and long suffering to people that are not willing to uh, repent, that's difficult. Good good comment, Elaine. I guess we may all have a different idea of what sin against us is. What you consider a sin may not be a sin to me, but just a slight. Know what I mean? I absolutely do. That's why I use that silly illustration about a rule. It's not really, I'm, I'm in the realm of illustration and imagination here. So don't, don't come to, Hey man, that Tony, he's got some weird rules in his house. This is not a really a rule in my house, but that's why I use this illustration. When you come into my house, I want you to take your shoes off of the door, but I want you to take your right shoe off first, then your left shoe. If you take your left shoe off first, then your right, you have sinned against me. You have violated the rule of my house. Well, that's very, very silly. Oops, but I have a right to be that way. It's my house, isn't it? So if you take your left shoe off, then you're right. And I say, hey, sister, listen, I'm very sorry. The rules of the house is you need to take your right shoe off, then you're first. It's your obligation to say, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I've I've already got my shoes off, so next time I'll be sure to do it the way you want me to do it. As silly as that is, I rebuked you, you repented, you changed your mind of your action, and you said, yeah, I'll I'll do it the way you want me to do it. Now, you're forgiven. But what if it's as a 16-year-old kid, you come around a corner too fast, and you run off the road, and you tear down about 100 yards of a man's uh, fence? Well, Turns out that fence was about 50 years old, and he was going to tear it down and rebuild it in about a month anyway. So he forgave me, but I still offered to pay for his fence. He said, no. He said, just don't be so stupid and drive fast on these curvy country roads anymore. I said, yes, sir. I sinned against him. Now, I didn't now, in that case, I didn't sin against God. I did sin against him. And I went to him, and I said, "Hey, it was me." And he said, "Well, son, are y'all right?" "Yeah, my truck's messed up. It's going to cost a pretty penny to fix." "Well, just get your truck fixed, and don't be so stupid and drive fast on the country curvy roads." "I was going to—I was going to tear that fence down and replace it in a month anyway." "You don't owe me a dime." He forgave me. He wasn't obligated to. He—he—he he, I mean, he, he was. When I say he wasn't obligated to, he was obligated to forgive me if I repented. But he was also able to—he uh, was—he ob- was able to set conditions upon my fruit meat for repentance. By the way, but that's—that's that's a Matthew chapter 15, 18 through twenty deal, or uh, fifteen or eighteen, fifteen through twenty. Yeah, and if he. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. That's it. Forgiveness is after the person returns to you and repents. It also doesn't mean you have to be their friend either. You don't have to hang around them exactly. Douglas, I think that's a good one. It's like expect the best and prepare for the worst. And Diana Merritt Harden said, if someone sins against me and I choose to forbear and be long-suffering, it's not possible for me to never ever think about what they did or feel that hurt again at times. Am I sinning if I occasionally recall that hurt? Uh, Absolutely not. Oftentimes, I've noticed that going to someone only makes matters worse, especially with those in the popular clique and congregations, and this group tends to group together and bully anyone who goes to them about anything. Many find it easier to drop it. I do. Yeah, that 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 is potentially just a burden to bear in life. And that should not be. But we don't deal with should and should not, do we? We deal with is and is not. So maybe this is uh you're just getting a lot of practice at forbearance. And and you shouldn't have to be that way. It should not be that way, sister. But it is. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. It's the same as loving a person but hating their sin. I, I think that's a good applica- a good uh, comparison. And at the cross, Jesus says, "Jesus asked the Father forgive them." That's intercession when God's wrath should have fallen on them. Terry, that's a good point. Um, yeah, Jesus could not ask for forgiveness for someone who did not repent. And and incidentally, I would say that they probably ended up repenting and they were forgiven when they obeyed the gospel. So Jesus' prayer was answered in the affirmative. Absolutely. Uh, Wayne Vaughn says, we would be showing partiality if we did. Absolutely. Acts 17:30 repentance is a command Acts 2:38 absolutely So if we have the mindset to forgive someone who never asked for forgiveness should we seek God's forgiveness It wouldn't hurt to ask I'm not I'm I'm, I'm I ain't I'm not being funny or 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 cavalier at all Quite frankly Douglas, I don't know the answer to that definitively because if you have the mindset to forgive someone who never asked for forgiveness, that just means you've been misinformed or mistaken about this issue. It's have you ever acted on that? Now, if you have acted on that, then as weird as it sounds for me to say, you have transgressed the law of Christ. So you would need to seek forgiveness from God. But if you've just been mistaken and you've never acted on it, you've never committed a sin. People are mistaken about all kinds of things. You never act on it. In fact, people people are attracted to all kinds of things they shouldn't be attracted to. And if they never act on it, they never sin. So, yeah, I think now that I've talked through that, I think the technical answer to your question is no. So if we have the mindset to forgive someone who never asked for forgiveness, should we seek God's forgiveness? No, because I don't think you've transgressed God's law. However, you do need to change your mind and understand that you are certainly going to be very loving and very forbearing with someone who sins against you who who won't repent. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of healthy to come up to somebody and say, hey, look, you don't feel like you've done anything wrong to me, but I feel like you have. And I get, to, I get to be the decider in whenever someone has wronged me. But I value our relationship enough that I'm not going to hold you to account. I don't forgive you of what you've done, but I don't want to take the time to convince you that you've sinned against me and what you've done is wrong. So, I am going to treat it as if it never happened, and I hope we can move past this. That's a hard conversation. It's a very mature adult conversation, but it's also a very godly conversation. If we can argue that we can forgive someone before repentance, then we do not need to teach that repentance is required for salvation. That's it. Terry Cauldron says I'm using my personal life story here. I have repented from all past sins and was baptized. Do I try to ask forgiveness even if they don't accept my forgiveness? Will I go to hell if I'm the only one that forgives? I'm talking about a marriage that, a marriage gone wrong after 28 years of my alcoholism that ended up divorced. I'm not that person anymore. I've been sober for almost eight years. All right, Terry, or, oh, I'm sorry, Tony, Tony. I, I, I don't know why I read Terry. I'm using my, okay. I have repented from all past sins and was baptized. Do I try to ask forgiveness even if they don't accept, oh, if they don't accept my repentance, probably. I would say that this woman who is no longer your wife, that you wronged in that way. um, According to Matthew chapter 5, you need to go to her and say, "Look, all those years that I I was an alcoholic. I sinned against God and I sinned against you. And I know that we can't go back and change anything in the past, and this might not change anything in the future. But I want you to know that I'm very sorry and I repent of what I did to you. Make it all about that. Don't make any don't offer any excuses. Don't talk about how hard it was. Don't talk about how terrible the alcohol was." You just take 100% ownership of it and do that. And if she says, well, I'm not forgiving you, well, you've done all all you can at this point. You just give that over to God. Um, Will I go to hell if I'm the only one that forgives? Yeah, it, it sounds like you don't need to ask forgiveness of her. I mean, she doesn't need to ask forgiveness of you. You need to ask forgiveness of her. And if you haven't done that, if you haven't had that conversation yet, I would I would say that you would need to. Psalm fifty four. Let's go. Let's go see Psalm fifty one four. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Yeah, so that cannot mean, hey. Like, th- this is poetry, okay? So listen have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitudes of your tender mercy. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Well, that doesn't change the fact that he sinned against Uriah and he sinned against Bathsheba. So this cannot mean that murdering Uriah, sleeping and impregnating his wife, was not a sin against them. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you there. But I appreciate you showing me that verse. But yeah, you, we've got to be real careful when we take books of poetry and create religious dogmas and and theological dogmas from them. Oh, I don't I've, I very rarely take anything anybody says personally they were as guilty as she was but they were the accusers oh that's the I know where that's talking about Scott about the woman taking in adultery Douglas says, no, I haven't acted on that. Yeah, then you're, you're, uh, you you haven't committed a sin if you haven't acted on it, Doug. But good questions. I think that we may come to change our mind about a perceived sin against us after learning all the facts, and therefore no repentance or forgiveness is needed. Connie, you need to say that louder for the folks in the back. I think we may come to change our mind about a perceived sin against us after learning all the facts and therefore no repentance or forgiveness is needed. That is where communication, that confrontation, man, we are so confrontation adverse today. We we got to be able to have confrontations. And Tony Cauldron says, I've done that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so look, you're fine. I mean, there, there's nothing more you can do really. You've got to let her be her, and you gotta be you, and you serve the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and might. And if she doesn't do the same, then that's gonna be upon her on the day of judgment. And you gotta build a snowman and let it go. That's it. Sometimes we're just too thin skinned. All right. So, yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, that Psalm fifty one is a uh, a passage is a is a psalm that a lot of religious and theological dogma are pulled. Um, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me and that that's where that's what uh, the Calvinists used to teach original sin and total hereditary depravity. Anyway well guys I think I don't know I think I've I think I've got it covered. It went a little longer than I thought. Uh, That's it. A lot of learning comes out of confrontation. And we used to be able to do this. We used to be able to do this. I don't know where we went off the rails. Mercy, that's a good point. Very interesting. Some new revelations for me. As for David's plea. I believe this was an exponential entreaty. Yeah, he, he probably he was also being hyperbolic. Like that's hyperbole. I've sinned against you, it's you only. and And that's more of a commentary on it is only he from whom forgiveness, it is only he, God, from whom forgiveness matters. That's a weird turn of phrase but it's grammatically correct. Anyway, it it doesn't matter about anybody else. He has to make it right with God. If he don't ultimately make it right with God, he can't make it right with Bathsheba. Uriah's dead. You only are the one from whom I need to seek forgiveness at this point. This psalm is about my sin against you. you. Against you only have I sinned. We're not talking about me sinning against anybody else. Forgive me of the sin that I've committed against you. I can't can't get your rise forgiveness. Bathsheba, I can work on her. But you can't forgive me on her behalf. It's you only that I'm dealing with right now. So that's probably the way you would read Psalm 51 there. All right. good deal elaine that just uh, that just pickles me tink great lesson thank you for clearing things up that is so awesome and tony cauldron says i thank you so much brother tony brewer for this lesson i I, that's great and then of course connie says great conversations tonight great lesson i appreciate yeah this this cogitations podcast reminded me of the old days whenever i'd start a live stream and we'd be on here for three or four hours uh Well, hey, he's wrong. No, he sinned against them. Sin is just a transgression. That—that's the thing. He—he's like well, that—that's why. Well, it, the New King James version in Luke uses the word sin. The King James uses the word transgress. I'm pretty sure. I hope I don't make the be look like a dummy. Yeah, if your brother sins against you, well, in the King James, well, it's trespass. Take heed unto thyself if thy brother trespass against thee. That's another way of saying wrong. Yeah, Jonathan, wronging a person is a sin. Yeah, if you've you've wronged me, you've sinned against me. It's the same thing. It's synonymous with one another. Loretta Simons this is a very interesting session night. Thanks so much. Well, you're very welcome. Um, but anyway, so let, let's say this. Let, let's say that David murdering Uriah the Hittite and, and sleeping with his wife and impregnating his wife. Let's say that wasn't a sin against Uriah because David said, Against you only, and you only have I sinned, if that's exactly what that means. That doesn't change the fact that Jesus himself said, if your brother trespasses against you, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. No forgiveness can be offered without repentance. So regardless of what Psalm 51 says, Jesus' Jesus's instruction, Paul's instruction We forgive as God, for Christ's sake, forgave us. Hey, Henry McClure, good to see you. I don't think I saw you yet in here. And um, Kunle says, many times we think sin has to do with God only. Sin is simply disobeying a law, God's law, national law, personal law. It really is sinning. That's it that's it committing a crime is sinning against the nation it's also sinning against god and it's sinning against it's sinning against the person that uh that you committed the crime again if they never get forgave him but god does he is good i don't think that's true you can't get forgiveness from god Unless you make it right with the person you've wronged, because that doesn't follow the formula of forgiveness. Now here's the thing: he couldn't get forgiveness from Uriah the Hittite, that was in God's hand. But he had to get forgiveness from Bathsheba. And that may be another explanation of why he says, Against you and you only have I sinned, is because he took it up with he made it right with Bathsheba first. Listen, if I sin against you and I never repent of that. I'm going to go to hell. That is Matthew chapter 18, 15 through 20. If your brother trespass against you, go to him and him alone. That's not a trespass against God. That's a trespass against you. If your brother doesn't make it right with you, God cannot offer forgiveness and you will not be right in the eyes of God because it's going to be to where you're a heathen man. You're going to be out of fellowship with God. You're holding on to something there. Hey, you're 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 like uh you're like a, a man that's hanging off a cliff grasping at a at at, at, at straws or something. I don't know what uh I don't know what the disconnect is there, but this passage of scripture in Psalm fifty one, it is absolutely one hundred percent the case David sinned against Bathsheba and he sinned against Uriah and he also sinned against God. That's it. Leave your offering. Go make it right. You can't even come before God Almighty and worship him in spirit and in truth unless you've made it right with your brother. So David couldn't have come. That's probably the correct way to interpret Psalm 51. David could say against you and you only have I sinned because he made it right with the people he could first on earth then he could lay siege to the throne of heaven and ask the judge of all the earth who will do right to forgive him so that's that's probably the way to the way to interpret that that makes the most sense from a theological standpoint anyway good stuff i'm glad you brought it up hey and uh guys i got to be done uh this has been really good i appreciate it and uh Awesome, Missy Malone. Thank you so much. I, I got a, okay. I'm, I'm not going to read any more comments because we'll be here till 11.15. It's 10.15 now. Um, I say this all the time and I hope you never take it for granted and I hope it hasn't lost its meaning. You digital Bible study folks are the cream of the crop. More than any other group of people that I know, you get more bible than any other group of people that i know so anyway that's all i've got uh hope you've hope you've learned something i hope i've opened your eyes i hope i've challenged you hope i've wrinkled your brain this has been tony Brew with cogitations uh we need your support folks uh www.patreon.com forward slash near churches also we're going to start doing stuff on digital bible again and uh subscribe to the cogitations podcast Follow my Cogitations Facebook page uh, because I'm re-upping the frequency of podcasts that I do per week. And um, this has been Cogitations powered by digitalbiblestudy.org. And as uh, Mercy said, uh, we'll catch y'all on the flip side.